You are listening to the Pursuit Church Essay Podcast. We are a group of imperfect, real people on a mission to pursue God and love people. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. Last week, Karen and Rachel did such a beautiful job of kicking off our... Yeah, let's, let's give it up for them, by the way. Karen and Rachel last week. Uh, as they introduced us and began our series, Broken to be a Blessing. Wow. Powerful start to this series. They kicked it off by highlighting the story that we find in Jeremiah 31 of God bringing hope back to the remnant of Israel. So if you remember, the Israelites had been exiled to a foreign land, and God wanted to restore them. He wanted to restore them to a right relationship with him. But you know, God's still in the restoration business. (laughs) You know, isn't that a lot like us? God continuing to give us chance after chance after chance to come back to him. You know, even though the people had been warned about the consequences of the way they were living, God wanted to bring them back to himself. And so he sent Jeremiah to assure them that the promises of God and his faithfulness hadn't changed, right? Remember now these Israelites had been in exile for many, many years, and many of them probably had lost hope. They weren't sure if God was still going to bring them back out of this. And so Jeremiah in chapter, really starting in about chapters 28 all the way through about 32 is a, is a whole um, example of God bringing them. But 31 we talked about last week about how he's going to bring them back out of their hardship, and out of their brokenness into the future that he had already planned for them. Wow, really beautiful. You know, not unlike the Israelites that Jeremiah was talking to, many of us find ourselves sometimes in a broken down, damaged, or hopeless place. You know, that, that hasn't changed a whole lot, you know. Um, and we can find ourselves in that same place, sometimes without hope. But just as God brought hope to the Israelites, he's here to bring hope to us. I want you to know that. I want you to hear that today. God is here to offer us hope, okay? He is, he is the God of hope. In fact, it's said in his word many times, he is the God of hope. So today we're going to continue in our quest of allowing God to heal the broken places in our lives. Just like the Israelites had been broken down, there was just a remnant left. Well, He can do those same things for us. He can bring us hope. If you don't mind, uh, like us to stand for the reading of of the word. You know, that tradition goes back to the Old Testament. When the priest would get up and actually read from the Torah, actually read the word of God that they had back then, and the people would stand as he would speak. So this tradition of standing for the word uh, first of all, it's not new. In fact, it's pretty ancient and pretty old. But, you know, sometimes in our culture, things change. But honoring God and his word should never change. Let me just say that. Honoring God and his word should never change. Right? He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And we, we it, you know, sometimes we, we want to make sure we honor that. So we're going to read just a very short passage of the word that's going to be kind of our uh, scripture we're going to talk about today. And it's found in the, in the book of Jeremiah. Okay, we're, wow, we're, we're Jeremiah heavy here in this series, which is awesome, which is awesome. So starting in, verse, uh, starting in chapter 18, we're going to read verses 2 through 4. Arise and go down to the potter's house, 
and there I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working at his wheel. And the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand, and he reworked it into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you this morning, Father, asking that you mold us, that you shape us, that you be with us, that your word today will speak powerfully to our hearts, to our minds. Father, that we may listen with a heart to understand what you want to do in our life, that we listen with our minds to hear from you. May your Holy Spirit just permeate this place today. May you speak to us, and may we leave different than when we came in. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wow. Now, Jeremiah was a prophet. Karen and Rachel did a great job last week of explaining that a prophet, uh, you know, is basically the mouthpiece of God. It's, it's, you know, Jeremiah here is speaking to the Israelites, you know, in the, the message that we just read there in verses 2 through 4, although Jeremiah was speaking it, God was talking to the Israelites. But you know who else he was talking to? You and me, right? That's the beautiful thing about the Word of God. It has application to so many different uh, things in our life. And just because God was speaking to the Israelites through Jeremiah doesn't mean we can't learn some things <laughs> and that he's not talking to us. Because those verses are talking to us. You see, in verse 2, we see the word arise. Arise means get up, right? Get up. If we're going to be healed, we have to make a decision that we're going to get up out of our issue. That we're going to get up out of our brokenness. We need to dust ourselves off sometimes and just keep moving. It doesn't matter how we may have got to where we are, how we may have been cut down, whether it's by our own actions, maybe by something that somebody else did, right? That really doesn't matter so much. What matters is that we get back up because no matter the reason why we're down or in our brokenness, getting up isn't any easier, right? We, we still need to do it. We still need to rise, arise, get back up. And actually, the word arise means really to get up again, right? Rise just means get up. means though a man falls seven times, he who gets up, right, from the Proverbs. So really important. But that's the first step. If God's going to heal our brokenness and allow us and use us to bless others, we have to get up. You know, as Karen said last week, God is not going to force himself on us, right? God's a gentleman. We have to do our part. And part of our part is to get up, right? Arise. When we're in our brokenness, our weaknesses, our issues, we need to stand up and arise. Total healing will not come on its own, especially not in spiritual matters. You know, we might get some relief from pain or appealing to our senses, and that's how it is usually, right? Even as Christians, don't, don't we do this? We hear great worship music or a word that gives us all the feels. Nothing wrong with that. That's, that's great. 
don't get me wrong, you know, powerful worship that brings us to our knees, that brings tears to our eyes, there's a value in that. It's a, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. It can actually soothe our troubled hearts. But what if we aren't in a location where that's always possible? What happens when the painful memories or the things that are breaking us right then come to our mind then? Do we let our mind wander and go deeper into the broken place? Or do we ignore the pain by finding something else to occupy our minds, like busyness? (laughs) Anybody here guilty of busyness? Gosh, I am. Well, now, if we do that, not only are we broken, we're overwhelmed, <laughs> right? So now we're overwhelmed and we're broken, right? So these feels may provide some temporary relief or some temporary um, feeling or what we might even think is an answer, but that's not really arising. That's shifting. Let me say that again. That's not really arising. That's just shifting our stuff, Okay. Excuse me, arising means that we get up and we let go of whatever is holding us down, whatever is holding us back. Remember why we're rising. Don't get distracted by anything. And this is hard. Not a feeling, not a person, not a hobby, not more busyness. Don't arise only so we could be distracted from getting to the destination that God is calling us to go to, right? Remember, we're headed to the potter's house. So Jeremiah said, God told him to say, go down to the potter's house, get up, arise, and go down to the potter's house. That's our destination, to go down and to be with God because God has something for us there. He's got something for us at the potter's house. That's why he's telling us to get up and get down there, okay? It also says to go down, In other words, to kind of get low. We have to strip away anything and everything that is propping us up, for lack of a better term, right? For lack of a better term. What are you leaning on to be able to cope with your brokenness or your pain right now? Are we leaning on pride? Maybe our feelings at any given moment? You know, it's easy to think that we're healed because we may feel better for today or this week, or this month, or this year. But we all know that living out of our feelings, and if you don't know, I'm here to tell you, living out of our feelings is the lowest form of living. It's the lowest form of living. And why is that? Because we need to remember the spiritual order of how we're created. We are a spirit. Say that with me. We are a spirit who has a soul that lives in a body. When we're living from our level of feelings, we're pretty much on the lowest two levels, which is body, soul kind of gets in there, but we're really not living on on a spiritual level, right? And we want to, we're spirit beings. The book of John, Woman at the well, Jesus says, the Father is looking for those that will worship him in spirit and in truth. That's how we commune with God. That's the highest level of living is our spirit. And we don't want to get stuck on this bottom or even this middle level of living. We are spiritual beings, and we have to live by the spirit, not by how we feel. We can't let our feelings lie to us and make us think that we're healed. 
And yet we keep getting back into the same situations and mindsets. Our feelings will tell us that we should move forward. We're good. But are we really good? Sometimes we can feel that way and not even see the pitfalls coming ahead because we've got into the mindset, oh, I feel good, therefore must mean I'm healed. But if we haven't let God do the actual spiritual healing, we get ourselves right back into the same position again. We don't even see it coming because it doesn't actually feel wrong. Again, that's the problem. It doesn't feel wrong, right? This feels okay. But we can deceive ourselves very quickly. And we may end up even more broken uh, if we continue to live in that way. This is what happens when we're living out of our feeling or our senses. God is telling us in verse 2, go down, get down with me, and let the potter start working on you, on us. When we need healing, we have to get face down with God and throw away our props. Throw away our props. And we got so many props that we are using to keep our life going sometimes, right? God wants us to get rid of the props and only go to him. We're going to talk more about that. You know, Scripture says that at some point we need to get off the milk, right? We need to mature in our faith. And and a big part of maturing in our relationship with God is learning to get rid of those props, learning to let the healer of all healers actually do what only he can do, what only he can do. We have, spirit, we have to spiritually grow up and stop letting feelings that take over bring about the same reactions over and over again. Being spirit-led helps us to respond better and more appropriately when those situations come up. We've got to get down, dirty, and real with God. Let me say it again. We've got to get down, dirty, and real with God if we want real healing in our brokenness. That's what we need. Hebrews 12.1 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. I think what's interesting, not even in my notes here, but, but it just kind of occurred to me, that first part of that scripture, therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, you know, there's other people that have gone through what you're going through right now. In fact, this book of Hebrews actually outlines many of those people and all the things that they actually had to overcome or the disappointments that they had. So I want to give you some hope. First of all, there's other people that are going through what you are going through right now that have gone through it, right? That's kind of what this is saying. Says, since we already know there's, there's this crowd that's experienced what we've experienced that are that are literally probably interceding, praying for us as well, you know, wishing us to learn the same things that they learned, okay? With that strength and God's healing, it helps us get rid of the things that are holding us down, okay? So we got to throw off these hindrances that are holding us back from running to God. That is our real race when we're broken, the race we're talking about here. Because the only race you need to be running when it comes to brokenness is running to God. That's the, that's the race we're in. We're running to God in our brokenness. That's the race we're talking about. 
there we're going to find him. And when we're finally ready to hear God, he will speak to us. I guarantee you, he will speak to you. Get alone. Fight against the noises around you that, keep, that are keeping you from hearing him. It's when we go down, low and real, and are alone with God that we can more easily hear him speak to us. Go to him. Go there. Listen for his voice. He has something to say to you, but he isn't going to compete with all the noises around us. That's actually our, our part. We're in control of the distractions that we allow, sometimes even good, quote-unquote, distractions. Like, for instance, worship music. Man, I love worship music. It's, I mean, literally, it's probably on 90% of my day. Whether I'm in the car, whether I'm upstairs working, Karen can tell you, I, I love worship music. And it has a place in soothing my spirit. It has a place in, in helping my mind get into place. But, but there are times when I need to turn that off. And I actually just need to listen. You know, some of the most profound moments of my life with God have come in those quiet moments. I could be on a walk. I could be uh, literally sleeping, and, and sometimes God will actually bring thoughts and, and things to mind. Maybe you've experienced that as well. But it's quite often in those quiet moments where I actually hear from him. And remember now, prayer or communication with God ideally should be a two-way process, right? Sometimes we get so involved in the speaking and the letting God know what we want. That's great, but we need to listen for what he wants. We need to listen for those answers. So, so important. So sometimes we do need to turn the music off. <laughs> sometimes we do need to detach from Facebook, <laughs> uh, <laughs> from Instagram, from you know, whatever else may be not necessarily a bad thing, I mean, is worship music a bad thing? Gosh, I hope not. But sometimes we need to be able to turn that off. We need to be able to disconnect from that so we can connect with God directly. And you all know what I'm talking about uh, when, when we hear these things uh, about God talking to us. Sometimes an individual word or scripture will come to our minds, and, and, and we need to be careful about that. When we are listening for what God's voice is, we need to be careful that we're always looking at the overall character of God. And is what we're hearing, does it line up with his word? Not just one or two verses of his word. Is what we're hearing consistent with what we see about God in the Bible? And here's a little tip. You can only know that if you know what's in this book. <laughs> So here, here's, here's just, just a, little, a little tip for the day. We got to know what's in here to know whether what we're hearing is consistent with what's in here, right? And, and we can fall into the trap of the verse of the day. How many of us, you know, get a verse of the day on our phone, on our, you know, hey, great, verse of the day is beautiful. But there's more than one verse in here. <laughs> and God's character, his love story is what's in this entire book from the first page of Genesis to the last page of Revelation. This is God's story. This is his love story to you and me. 
And when you're reading a book, you can't just read page one and the last page. Some people do that. I mean, that's, that's cool, but you're going to miss a whole lot in between, right? You're going to miss, you're, you're going to miss how, how did that character go from this to that if you just read page one and the last page? And we have to be careful that, that when we're hearing from God, we don't just get the one verse mentality, Okay, I heard from God on this. Okay, that's great. Again, there's value in it. It's in his word. So let's just, you know, say that. But when we're listening and practicing and learning to hear from God, the more we know about his character, and this is where his character is revealed. This is where we find out about God's character. The more we can see where it lines up with his character, then we can have more confidence that what we're hearing, if it lines up with that, yeah, that's good. Hey, if it doesn't line up with that, problem one, right? You can probably rest assured that what you're hearing from God, if it's not consistent with what's in him, I'm going to just tell you right now, then you're not really hearing the right thing, right? You may think, but this is the litmus test. This is the litmus test. Listening to how we feel or what we think in any given situation can lead to more pain and rejection. Listening to God in situations can help us move in the right direction. Get out of hurt. You know, John 10, 27 says this, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Now, it takes some time and practice to recognize God's voice. You know, think about those Olympic athletes. You know, they don't just, you know, one day practice and say, Oh, I'm, I'm the best, you know, Michael Phelps didn't win 20-whatever gold medals by one day saying, ah, I think I'll practice for a couple hours and I'll be good. No. Like anything else, if we want to learn to hear God's voice, we have to have some practice doing it, right? There's no substitute for that. And what does that look like? It looks like us getting in his word, spending time in quiet with him, spending time um, uh, listening for his voice. But that takes practice. That doesn't happen overnight. And so if we want to recognize the voice of God, we need to practice. We have to ask him to speak to us as we do that. And as we humble ourselves, as we get low and are quiet and listen to him, we learn to discern and hear his voice. Now, I'm not saying that's the only way to hear from God, but I am saying that he isn't going to compete with anybody or anything. There's a part in his word that says, I am a jealous God. Now, jealousy, yeah, we think about that word for a minute in our human terms, probably not so good. But with God, it's a really good word. It means he wants all of you. He doesn't want this much. He doesn't want, you know, a quarter of your life, a half of your life, a part of your heart. He wants it all. Because he knows that he can do so much more when he has all of us than when we only give him part of us. So just remember, you know, God is jealous. He wants us all. Verse 3 in Jeremiah 18 says, He was working at his wheel. You know, God is always working, isn't he? Wow. God is always at work, even when we don't always realize it. But if we need something specific in order to be healed, we have to go to him and place ourselves in his hands. We submit every part of us to him and allow him 
to do the work. Isaiah chapter 64, verse 8 puts it this way. But now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. Well, God made us, and I I hope and pray that no one doubts that. Most people, I think, in this room, I, I think, believe that God made us. But we do have earthly parents, and God used them to get us here. That's true. But at the end of the day, we are his creation, his idea. In fact, Ephesians 2.10 puts it beautifully when it says, we are his masterpiece. Wow, we are his masterpiece. The potter making us into his masterpiece. Wow. Have you ever tried to fix something? (laughs) What do you do when you're trying to fix something? Now, speaking for me, I usually don't go to the instruction manual. (laughs) I probably should. No, I know I should. (laughs) But I usually try and figure that stuff out on my own first. Let me just tell you that's actually a a mistake. Okay, let me just call it what it is. But, you know, Karen is really good at reminding me to take a look at instructions before I dig into something or try and fix something because she knows that the instructions will show me how the manufacturer actually designed the product to be used to begin with, right? And sometimes it even shows us how to put it together. Now, my truck that I drive has an owner's manual, right? And when I want to know how to fix something or even how a certain feature of the truck works, I go to the owner's manual. She's taught me that. I'm learning. But, you know, when we're broken, we're hurt, we're discouraged, and we're messed up or jacked up, we actually need to go to the manufacturer. We need to go to the owner's manual, the one who made us, right? So if we want to know how fixing occurs, we have to go to the one that wrote how to fix it and the the one who can fix it. Really important. You know, Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. You know, God is always there. He's always working. But we have to seek him out with our whole heart. And that means undistracted, genuine from our heart. And when we do that, we will find him. God's word is true, right? His word is true. Scripture says that we're like clay. We've actually read that in a couple different verses today. Now think about clay for a minute and what it looks and feels like. It's just pliable enough to form into something, but if you leave it out in the air too long, it actually gets pretty brittle and hard. And you really can't use it then to mold it really into anything when it gets in that state. Unless you go back in and add a little water to it, then it becomes pliable again, right? Once you add this water, it becomes pliable again. We're clay and we're molded by the potter. And when the circumstances of our life harden us, we need to return to the potter and let him add living water. Jesus said, I am the living water I've got sources and springs, he told the lady, that you don't even know about. We need to let God add living water. When we become hardened, when our, when our clay has become too hard, 
or hardened in an area or is about to break or maybe even part of the clay has broken. We need to let God add the living water. The scripture says that the vessel was made of clay and it was spoiled in the potter's hand. That's what Jeremiah uh, verse said today. Some translations say it was actually marred. Either way, what that means is it is not in its original condition. It was, it was somehow damaged, okay? When we humbly place ourselves in God's hands, he will change us. Let me say that again. When we humbly get down low, put ourselves in God's hands, we will be changed if we let God do it. He will change us, though, as we read in his word, as he sees fit. Now, that's where the rub is, right? We might want to be changed, but we have an idea about what that looks like. But God says, no, you, you let me decide what that's going to look like. Trust me. Trust me. I am the potter, God says. And if you put yourself in my hand, get on that wheel and let me form you, change you into something beautiful, we can trust that God's going to do that. Remember the order that we talked about. What we think or what we want comes from the second lowest level of living. Still not the highest form. It's our soul. That's our mind, our will, our emotions. It's the place that we think, right? Now, recently, my grandson Jude was playing with a piece of wood that Carl had cut up here. He was using it as his sword (laughs) in that particular moment. And I told him to put it down so that he wouldn't break it. Now, Carl was definitely planning to use that piece of wood for something, right? But what if Jude had broken it? It would still be usable. It just wouldn't be used for the same thing anymore. That's all. That's all. It it wouldn't be useless. Being broken is not the end of your story. Come on. Being broken in whatever area is not the end of your story. God can still use that in a tremendous and beautiful way. This verse clearly tells us that as we submit our broken pieces to God, he will rework it all for his purposes. Jeremiah 29.11 says that God's plan for us is good. God's plan for us is good. Even if we allow sin to alter his original plan, he will rework it into something good. That's good news. Come on, give, give that up for the Lord. God can use your broken pieces. He can use whatever you think may be beyond repair. God can use that. He specializes in that. But here's the catch. We have to let him do it. We have to hop up on the wheel. We got to hop up on the wheel. And that wheel sometimes is a very dizzying place. Just imagine you're kind of, (laughs) you can get a little dizzy and disoriented sometimes when you're on the wheel. And that's why you have to trust the one who's running the wheel. That's why we have to trust that God is shaping us, molding us, healing us in that process. So what's the alternative if we don't hop up on the wheel and let God heal us? Well, we can continue living from our brokenness, which will just lead to what? More pain? We'll also hamstring our ability to witness to others about God's goodness. Y'all, we can only fake it so far. Come on now. We can only fake it so far. Our brokenness is always going to come out. It's like an orange. 
The juice don't come out until you squeeze it. The juice don't come out until you squeeze it. And that's the way it is with us. Our brokenness typically comes out when we're squeezed. Our brokenness comes out when we're squeezed. Squeezed by what? By the things of life, by pressures, by those things that uh, we face on a daily basis. And if we are handling those things only on levels one and two, out of our flesh or out of our soul, we're probably not going to be able to handle it as well as God wants us to. We've got to be on that spiritual level. You know, let me, let me just give you as, a, as an example. In my life, when what I'm squeezed by or what comes out of me, let me, let me put it this way, one, one area that can come out of me when I'm squeezed, I can be a people pleaser. That's a problem. Now, the reason that's a problem is because that means I don't have my priorities in the right place when I, when I allow that to happen, right? There's kind of an order as well, right? God first, right? I, I need to be able to trust and please him, right? That's my highest priority is pleasing him. Next, if you're married, your spouse would be the next person you need to be uh, in communion with and trying to please best you can, even though you're not perfect. And then third would be those people that are close to you. But you know what? I, I have a tendency to let people that really don't fit any one of those criteria <laughs> to really impact me, or make me feel bad or, you know, you know, rejected or whatever. And, you know, what it all comes down to is priorities, right? I'm loved by a God who says, I am the apple of his eye. He loves me. Just like you guys. He loves each of you. That's who I want to please. But when I get my priorities out of whack and I start worrying too much about people that, again, you know, at the end of the day, I'm not going to stand before them when this is all done and want to hear good and faithful servant like I am with the Lord. So, you know, that's, a, that's an area for me that I constantly have to, and, and luckily I have a bride who reminds me, about, she goes, why are you so worried about X when this is what God says? This is the priorities. And, you know, so when I'm squeezed, that's what comes out of me sometimes is people-pleasing. What about you? What areas of brokenness do you have? What are your mechanisms, tendencies that you go back to? Only you know what those are, but whatever you run to instead of God is an area of brokenness that needs to be healed. Whatever or whoever you run to instead of God is an area of brokenness for you and for me. What are your knee-jerk reactions to pressure? When you're running into something or someone other than Jesus. When you're lonely, sad, or bored, what catches your eye instead of sitting quietly and letting Jesus capture your heart? You know, our brokenness can be a powerful way to draw us closer to God. If we let it, our brokenness will lead us to a dependence on God. And that's really what he wants. Remember, he doesn't want to just be part of your story. He wants to be the whole story. 
And out of that whole story, then you get to live the life that God's calling us to live. Our brokenness can build trust in God as we surrender our weaknesses to him and let him show himself to us in a strong and powerful way. When we do that, we will stop trying to fix ourselves and let him make us into something better. Let me say that again. When we can learn to do that, we'll learn to stop trying to fix ourselves, to run to every other thing, a friend, a Facebook post, an article, a sermon, a podcast. All of those have their place, but they're not going to fix you. They're not going to fix you. There's only one fixer. There's only one fixer. His name is Jesus. Come on. There's only one fixer. His name is Jesus. In our moments of anguish, pain, and confusion, hurt, or disappointment, we need to run in the direction of God instead of somewhere else. We need to run to our Father. That's the only real path that will bring comfort, peace, and healing. We need to arise and then go down to the potter's house. We need to arise and then go down to the potter's house. There, you know what we're going to find? We're going to find God working. We're going to find him working on our behalf, working to mold us, to shape us, to make us into everything that he desires. When we submit to him, when we crawl up on that wheel, and sometimes it is so hard to crawl up on that wheel, isn't it? We don't want to get up on there sometimes because we know it's going to take courage. It's going to take getting over our fears. It's going to take getting rid of our props. And a lot of us like our props. I like my props. But if my props are holding me back, they're keeping me down, if they're limiting what God wants to do in me and through me, I got to get rid of them. I got to do that. When we're able to recognize that and know where we need to go, we are on the road to real healing and to real change in our life. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you right now. And Father, we want to submit ourselves to what you want to do. Father, we pray that you give us the courage to get up on that wheel and to let you do what only you can do. Father, we submit our fears. We submit anything that we're currently doing, using, people, things, addictions, anything, Father, we submit it to you. And Father, we give you permission to mold us, to shape us. You are a loving Father. We trust you, God. We trust you. You are the potter. We are the clay. Father, give us everything that we need. Guide us, 
heal our areas of brokenness, Father, and use those areas of brokenness to draw us close to you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. If God is transforming your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give at PursuitChurchSA.com give. Thank you for listening and remember to follow us to enjoy more messages like this.